Welcome to episode one of the Screen Presence podcast, brought to you by Tape and the BFI. Hello, my name is Steve Swindon and I'm co-founder of Tape, a community arts and media charity based in North Wales. All of the work we do at Tape centres around creative inclusion and as the discussion around increased representation and opportunities within the screen industry continues to develop, I spoke with the inclusion team at the BFI about developing a podcast together which could share some of the work people are doing in this area and how people are working differently in support of greater inclusion and increased representation. And here we are, episode one of the first series of the Screen Presence podcast. If you've not checked out the short introductory episode to the series, that might be a good place to start just to get a fuller idea of what we're hoping to do with the show. This episode has the theme of gender identity and the work which took place during the production of the feature film Everybody's Talking About Jamie. Kat Marshall from Warp Films joined us to talk about how they work differently throughout the production and to share what they learned. For each episode of the show, I'll be joined by a different co-host who for episode one is Haimana Demir. She joined me from the library at Manchester University where she's a film student. I'll be back at the end of the show, but here now is episode one of the Screen Presence podcast. Welcome to the Screen Presence podcast. My co-host today is Hermione Demir. Hello, Haimana. Hello, Steve. Thanks for being here today. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and what has brought you into the co-host's chair today? Well, thank you for thinking of me to co-host this episode. Um, since obviously meeting you in 2018, doing the BFI Academy with tape, um, I've really been interested in the representation of minorities. Um, obviously being a woman of colour, that's something that I'm very interested in, in the media and specifically in film, being a film student. And um, when you approached me about a theme of gender identity for this podcast, I thought that's that's right up my street. I'd like to get involved in that. So thank you for having me. No problem. It's great. It's great to have you here. And our guest for this episode is Kat Marshall. Hi, Kat. Hello. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about gender identity and specifically the work you supported during the production of the film version of Everybody's Talking About Jamie. But can we just start with a bit about your journey into working in film and TV? Uh, yeah, definitely. So, um, so I've been working for the past three years on Everybody's Talking About Jamie as the associate producer. Uh, but before that, I've been with Warp Films, who are a Sheffield-based production company. Uh, we make film and high-end TV. And um, my kind of journey into film was I, I actually studied film at university and then um, kind of did lots of kind of internships and kind of work experience placements and and did an internship with warp and then have kind of never left so i've just ended up uh, i've been there i've been with warp now for eight eight years coming up to so kind of did an internship with them they asked me to stay on and, and do a bit of production runner work and then that turned into a, a job a full-time job and then i've worked my way up from there so before jamie i was production supervisor at Warp Films, um, so kind of looking after our the production side of our slate with um, our head of production. And for, for those people that don't know it, can you tell us a bit about Jamie's story and its journey to film? And also, at what stage did you consider the need to work differently for the production? Yeah, so um, everybody's talking about Jamie. It, it, originally, 
it started out as a musical that had a two-week run at the Crucible in Sheffield. Um, Jonathan Butterell, the director, had seen a documentary called Jamie Drag Queen at 16, and um, I think which was on BBC Three, and he just thought it was this fabulous story of this young man who had tremendous courage and wanted to go to his prom in a dress. And he had this idea to make it into a musical. So he made it into he made it into a musical with the Crucible um, with Sheffield Theatres. And um it immediately got picked up for the West End. Uh, NIMAX Theatres picked it up. And which is like quite unheard of. And in the same week I think we also contacted them about making it into a film. So it yeah it's kind of a little bit unheard of it's journey journey into kind of getting on screen but um the film itself for people that don't know the story it's about a boy called Jamie who wants to go to prom in in a dress and become a drag queen um and it's um kind of his journey to 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 achieving his dreams I guess um so yeah uh, it's all based in Sheffield, so that's been really lovely as a Sheffield-based com- uh, company um, to kind of shoot it here and 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 shoot with like local crew, but also like we cast twenty young people from all around the regions in Sheffield. We did this huge casting search, so it's been very much like a a Sheffield family production, um, and we worked slightly differently on this production in the. Um, we were working with a lot of people who were trans or non-binary or gender fluid. And um, we kind of noticed that um, some of the crew potentially potentially um, were unsure of like how to, the language to use when working with people with d- different uh, gender identities. So like, we're just uncomfortable with knowing what pronouns to use um, kind of, yeah that was it really and we kind of thought this is that this is not how you know we're gonna have to do something about this and um so we kind of brought in a consultant a gender identity consultant to kind of help us put together some resources and training um so we ended up kind of working with them and kind of yeah that's something that I'd never done before and that I'd never seen any resources or training like that in the industry before so um, it was a bit of a journey in that respect. I think it's really great that um, you're leading the way with this because obviously I'm not in industry, I'm still an independent, I'm a film student, but being friends with people who are in the LGBT community who I know have felt, who have felt um, potentially ostracised by how dominant certain people are in the industry in the sense that a lot of people are white, a lot of people who are in control of um, what goes into industry, who potentially becomes big, the films that are big, are not transgender, they are not non-binary, they don't know the language to use, they may even be prejudiced against these people. So it's, it's so comforting to hear that you're deliberately going out of your way as an industry professional to make a space for these people who deserve to be represented, not only on screen, but also behind the scenes in a way that is comfortable on their terms, not what other people think their terms should be. I mean, it just feels like 
that's that should be the case we should be doing this we should be doing this work like i think sometimes the industry well any industry you know society we get comfortable right in like how we kind of um we just get comfortable in our routines and our kind of what we're used to and actually like i think i think more more of the industry needs to be like we need to be changing systems we need to be making space for people we need to be making the industry more accessible um i mean that's what it yeah so uh, yeah to me it was just like well this is the right thing to do so we need to try and sort this sort this out um because it wasn't you know it wasn't like people were deliberately trying to be harmful or you know deliberately trying to exclude it was just genuinely people maybe potentially didn't understand that there was different gender identities and didn't understand that there were different pronouns so and when people I think with that comes a lot of fear of getting it wrong because nobody wants to harm somebody nobody wants to cause somebody pain generally um so it was a lot a lot of a lot of the work we did was about trying to say it's okay to get to not get like not get this and not understand um this and to not know to be scared of getting saying the wrong thing but like let's give you the tools and the knowledge so that you can move forward and if you do get it wrong you can you know apologize and move forward with that and learn from it rather than just being sat in that fear of like I'm not going to say anything I'm not going to change my ways because I might get it wrong and I don't want to look bad so yeah yeah. how early in the process in the production process did you start to introduce the resources and the, the different ways of working so we shot in 2019 last year for 12 weeks and it was probably a few weeks in that I kind of I was made aware that this was potential like that that people this was potentially a problem um and so immediately I kind of started looking for um resources and training online I mean like packed the BFI will often have like resources and tools that producers and productions can use you know that cover a variety of things but I couldn't find anything that was about gender identity specifically and understanding gender identity and I kind of was expecting to find like yeah like um yeah like a, a toolkit or you know like a thing like posters or things that you could send out but there was nothing and um so I thought, okay, we'll just have to create them ourselves. So we, um, so I, I asked around some friends who, and, and got kind of recommended um, a facilitator and trainer called Nim Ralph, who is just incredible and brilliant. And they came on board. I explained the situation. They helped us put together these resources and this training. And we got it out probably, it was probably by the time we'd got it all done, it was probably like halfway through the shoot, which, you know, is not in an ideal world. I would have, if I did a production again, I would do all of this in prep and I would put so much more prep into it. You know, I would have training, I would have crew going on and HODs going on training before we even got into production. Um, But, you know, we, we made the best of the situation we could, I mean yeah um there's a lot of lessons that i've learned from it and i think that that's why i want to use the film as a bit of a case study to be like this is what we did this is what worked but also this is what we do again um differently um so yeah it was about halfway through probably that we got the resources out 
So um, you mentioned doing things differently and some learning uh, that you've taken from from working on Jamie. Could you could you share what some of those things might be? I guess kind of start having those conversations. I mean, this is this this is the thing with everything, isn't it? Having those conversations as early as possible and like preempting like um, preempting those what those problems and prepping. It's all in the prep. And I think that trying to put in place training and resources when you're halfway through a big musical film, which uh, is incredibly um, stressful at the best of time, we all know that making films is stressful, um, was a challenge. And if we'd had done that in prep, it probably would have been more effective people would have had more time to kind of take it on board so i think prep 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 is the thing and that's why i want to try and make sure these toolkits and these resources that we've created on jamie are available to people the rest of the industry me and nim are trying to come up with a plan at the moment to try and get the resources and the toolkits kind of available um for, for other productions to use and that's why we're kind of talking about it now um because i think it does need to yeah, I think it needs to become like an industry kind of standard that we're kind of all working that 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 we're normalizing kind of different pronouns, using different pronouns, asking people their pronouns and kind of um, being aware that it's not. Yeah, that there are different gender identities. I'm interested in some of the practical things that you did um, in terms of the, the the way that the set was run. And uh, I remember hearing you speak at the event, the Screen Skills event in Leeds, and you talked about um, some things that you had, that, that were put up on the walls. And could you share a little bit about that stuff? Yeah. So when I spoke with Nim, we talked about how, because Nim had never worked in film before, so they'd never been on a film set. So um I was trying to explain like how a film set worked um, and you know film sets are incredibly busy everybody's got their job that they're focused on and doing so it was like okay how do we get this information to people like quickly and in like a clear concise way that's easy to take in um, and so we came up with uh, a tool pack that we it was basically about a you know, a 25 page document that kind of was clearly kind of went into, uh, the, we decided that the main things we wanted to cover were understanding the LGBTQ plus acronym, understanding gender identity, how to be sensitive, working with a gender diverse team, um, what to do if you misgender someone and understanding gen gender neutral toilets, because I think that is often something that people get a bit are confused about um so once we'd identified those kind of five points that we wanted to hit uh, nim put together a tool pack uh, so that it was clearly split into those sections and talked everybody through it we sent that out to all of our crew um and i basically spoke to heads of departments and asked them to make to follow up and make sure people had read it um and i and the the producer team the the rest of the producer team so the lead producer and the co-producer also kind of followed up on it and were we we spoke about making sure that people had read it and understood it um but we created um kind of a3 posters that we stuck up around set with like key things so it was kind of things like you know like what to do if you misgender someone and then a very clear like 
four bullet points of the key things to do if you misgender someone or an A3 poster with um, gender neutral terms. So rather than saying, ladies and gentlemen, here is a uh, gender neutral terms that you can use for a group of people. Um, just things like that. So like really simple things that would like, I guess, prompt and trigger people's under like learning that they've hopefully read the pack. Um, and yeah, that that was really effective. Like I really loved going into the kitchen and just seeing someone with their cup of tea on. They've just nipped out for a tea break and they're just, I don't know, dunking their biscuit and like reading this poster on the fridge. Um, and we stuck them up everywhere. And I think that's something that you can do really quickly. It's a really easy way to just get out information. It's like print some posters and put them up. Um, and yeah, we did that as well with one of the other things that we did was making sure that the toilets were gender neutral. Um, and because gender neutral toilets sometimes aren't well often aren't the norm often we would get the honey wagon so the toilet block would turn up and it would have like male and female signs on it and then again it was do it like a do-it-yourself mentality like okay let's print off some signs and get them stuck up on the doors so that people know that these are gender neutral toilets um toilets was a difficult one i think it's quite a contentious issue it shouldn't be but it is um and Actually, it was totally fine. We didn't really get anybody. Everybody was fine with it in the end. But there was a lot of like, oh, can we do can we make toilets gender neutral? Can we do that? And it was like, yeah, we can make to toilets gender neutral. We all have gender neutral toilets in our homes. So, you know, we can definitely we can definitely make toilets gender neutral. It's going to be fine, everybody. Um, and we didn't always, you know, it didn't always like sometimes it didn't always work so there were times when I'd turn up on location and I'd be like ah there's a gender toilet here that has snuck in somehow um, but again it's about like trying to put in those those kind of I think for me it's about trying to put in those um things in place that you can just like okay well I know that I'm just going to print off a sign and then I'll fix it that way like it doesn't have to be perfect if that makes sense was it difficult to start the initial conversation because obviously that's the most difficult part but quite funnily is almost half the work done once you've had that conversation once you've started to make people aware was that difficult on such a, a big production especially once the production had already begun and you were doing what you wished you'd done in prep essentially a few weeks in or even halfway through yeah i mean the, so the director, Jonathan Buttrell, the composer, Dan Gillespie-Sells, and Tom McRae, the writer, so they're the three creatives that created the original stage show. They were fully behind it, fully supportive. You know, um, Mark Herbert, the lead producer, was fully behind it. Um, you know, everybody was behind, like, I think that was helpful in that, like, and and the financiers you know new regency and film four were fully behind it so having that kind of support from behind to be like yep you've got our full support let's do something about it is really important and like made it so much easier to have those conversations because you know if if you don't have that support from kind of i don't know the the kind of higher up the the chain it can be kind of i think it, it can be more of a battle because you're going in and asking people to 
change their behavior or think about something when they don't really like you know all they want to think about is the job in front of them they don't want to have to start thinking about something that's actually quite difficult to get your head around when you've been kind of brought up in a society that tells us that there's just a binary like like that is binary so I think um yeah it I think having that support was really really important um and once I'd started that conversation and been like this is a problem we need to do something about it um i mean they they were they were from the minute i said it was a problem they were behind us so that was good um it was just then about how do we how do we make this work in terms of the restrictions and the parameters that are you know in place you know the time restrictions because because originally i'd actually wanted to do to try and get some training like in person him to come to set and do training but that just wasn't possible with the time restrictions and the kind of like Nim was in London, we were in Sheffield, um, we were working, you know, like 12 hour days. <laughs> like it just wasn't, it wasn't feasible within the, the restrictions and the parameters to kind of make that happen. But again, it was about kind of like, okay, we can't make that happen, but what can we do? And so that meant that me and Nim talked a lot about what needed to be said and what needed to be what kind of things needed to be communicated and then I was able to be the person on the ground being like you know giving little training sessions or giving little kind of talks about what needed to happen so um but yeah it, it's a difficult it, I mean it is a difficult it is a difficult conversation when people don't have the headspace or the time to think about things um and I do think that in the film industry often in production um there are people do there's a way of doing things it's like this is how we do it this is how we've done it for years like it works and obviously because often on a film you are you don't have very much budget you don't have very much time you're con like you're you're relying on having kind of you're relying on the, those kind of systems that work and those systems that are in place that make your life easier and make things quicker. And so I think it can be hard to get people to like adapt or change those slightly because, because everybody's, really, you know, everybody is stressed and everybody's trying to do a job. So given that, did it ever feel like you were taking a risk? No, because at the end of the day, everybody should feel safe to come to work and everybody should feel um not only safe but welcomed and like and 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 everybody should be allowed to be themselves in the workplace and truly like themselves and I think so it was never there was never a question in my mind that we couldn't do anything if that makes sense like um it was just like okay this is potentially hurting people how do we fix that how do we make that better um and yeah I think I think a big part of wanting to take the the kind of lessons that we learn on Jamie forward is because I'm like I don't want that to happen to anyone else on a production you know I don't want anyone to go to set and yeah I mean like trans the trans and the non-binary community face so much like stigma and violence and you know like they just if there's anything we like if we need to work harder to make it to make 
it better and set a safer place for, for them. So yeah, um, it was never a question that there was a risk there. And of all the, you know, of all the films to do it, to do, try, to try and push this through on, it's like, you know, this is a film about being true to who you are and, and challenging like gender norms. So like, if we can't get it right, like, blimmin' heck, what else is going on in the in the industry? So. <laughs> I was just wondering, how do you think we could bring this kind of inclusivity to the rest of the industry? Because like you said, obviously it's easy to have this kind of um, thinking at the forefront of your mind when the topic of the film you're making is closely related to that. It's obviously inclusive. But how can we bring this into sets where the film isn't about inclusivity if even if it's a period drama or anything where the topic of the film is not potentially compatible with modern day thinking that you'd like to have behind the scenes how do we how do we do that at the same time i mean for me everything that we learn and the tools and the resources that we created can be used in a variety of settings, like not just, um, you know, not just in scripted even. I've been having conversations with people from kind of factual and, and, and kind of development. And it's like, we shouldn't be assuming that, oh, we don't have any trans or non-binary folk on our set. So we don't need to put these things. That's not what we should be thinking. Like we shouldn't be assuming anything. We should be normalizing asking everybody their pronouns and making it a very normal thing to kind of, to, to introduce ourselves with our pronouns at the beginning of a meeting or, a, a, you know, like to have those things on a unit list or a call sheet, like, because then it, like yeah that should just be the normal thing Heimer's question sort of talked about a, a, a widening out of the uh, of inclusive practice and uh, and more re- more representative uh, workspaces um, d- taking out the gender identity specifically at the moment from what you've learned can you do you get a sense that you're working differently more broadly now um, well, I'm still I'm still working on Jamie. We're still in post production on it, but um, it, yeah, I mean, in the future, it's made me think a lot more about how I want to do things and how I would work in the future. I mean, I think we just need to stop talking about inclusion and start putting in like practical actions. Like, there's so much talk about how we can be inclusive, and it's like, if anything, I learned from Jamie. I feel like, well, let's identify the issues, and I don't know. I mean, it's not as simple as that for lots of things, but then at the same time, it is like, let's stop talking about all the barriers that are in the way and just start breaking them down. Like, well, in our small way, this is this is the, what what we're trying to do with the podcast is to, is to create a you know a library of conversations that people can take some best practice and some learning from, um, uh, and and hopefully today. That's that's something that we've we've taken a small step towards addressing for people. Uh, Heimer, is there anything else that you've got that you want to ask uh, um, before we go into wrapping this up? Yeah, I was wondering if you had any recommendations or advice on how smaller productions or even independent productions going into industry could um, navigate their way for inclusivity. Um, against the bigger companies. So obviously you said that um, 
the producers and the companies that were already supporting your production were fully behind you. What do we do if they're not behind us, but we still are very adamant on having inclusivity because we're not going to, basically we're not going to back down from including everyone that we can include who should feel welcome to be in the industry. What do we do if they're not behind us? If they're not behind you, then I guess make some noise. Like nobody likes to be like called out, I guess. Um, and I think we have to hold people accountable. So, yeah, I think a lot of the time the commissioners and the financiers are on board. Like I think people are catching up. But yeah, for like, I think, and I think on the smaller productions, in some ways I feel like the smaller productions are better at being inclusive and welcoming like it, it can sometimes be when you're on the bigger productions and you're kind of you kind of become part of a machine that you kind of like things get lost in translation or people yeah things get so big that people kind of lose sight of like what's happening on the ground um but I think if 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 you're facing if you're facing kind of a pushback there are lots of support networks out there to kind of like where you can get support and lots of organizations doing lobbying and providing resources and training and I think kind of we all need to network and link up and support each other and not be afraid to ask for help if we're not getting the support we need from kind of yeah from our own teams thank you it's good advice though it's good advice making some noise holding people to uh, accountability is really important especially if we're looking at sort of uh culture and systems change um it's a crucial part of it i think hi mana thank you for being co-host today thank you for having me and uh kat thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experiences um when can we see the film um, so the film is currently due to come out in February next year. Uh, the trailer's just been released, so hopefully um, you should be able to see that online now. So hopefully it's brought a little bit of joy to everybody's autumn. But um, yeah, it should be out in February in cinemas um, in the UK and internationally. But we'll see what happens with COVID-19, I guess. So yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> We'll put a link to the trailer in the show notes and uh, and also to anything else that you want to include. And if there's resources or anything you want to share, uh, we'd love to link link them to the show. Um, Kat, thanks for joining us. And thank you, Haima. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> My thanks to Kat and Haimana for coming on the podcast. It was actually hearing Kat speak at an industry event in Leeds, which was the catalyst for the show. It felt important to try and share more widely and accessibly practical examples of how things can be done differently and how work can be enriched and how positive the outcomes can be when we embrace change, which supports greater involvement and opportunity. The interviews we have coming up throughout the rest of the series really support that idea and we have some fantastic guests and co-hosts who share ideas which can be easily adopted and hopefully be a springboard for more informed conversations and working practice. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to appear on the show, you can get in touch via the links in the show notes. My thanks to the inclusion team at the BFI for their support. Please help spread the word about the show. Like, subscribe and share with friends and colleagues. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening and join us again for another episode of the Screen Presence Podcast.
The Screen Presence podcast is brought to you by Tate Community Music and Film in partnership with the BFI. Artwork is by Matt Canning and the music was written and performed as part of the Tate project, The Sound of Colour Orchestra.